This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am your co-host, Mike. Today on the show, we've got Roz Klaus from joining us, a co-founder of Unify Health, a brand new health plan for small businesses and their employees. We talked to Ross about a lot of things throughout this episode, but in particular, we talk about how Unify Health got its start and where the idea came from, as well as why health insurance is so complicated today and what makes it such a pain for consumers. All of these companies, because it's hard to get a foothold with the legacy health insurers, they start with these large self-insured employers. And then you have new primary care models, new ways of reimbursing hospitals, just lots of different things that even today are up to healthcare brokers. We saw if this is done right, you can lower healthcare costs for these companies by 10, 15 plus percent. Package it up, standardize it, and then scale it so we can scale it to small businesses. And then finally, what makes their plans different and how it benefits consumers? People don't actually care what the underlying price of an MRI or anything is. They care what they're going to pay out of pocket. Having to do the math around, well, this is where I'm at with my deductible this year, and then here's how coinsurance works, and, and then I have a max out of pocket on top of that. That's too hard and too much work for any including me. So we abstract all of that away and say, hey, we'll just make copays only. We'll just tell you what your out-of-pocket is going to be because we know the underlying price. We'll figure that out on the back end. You don't need to be exposed to that. Really think you're going to enjoy this episode. We get a lot out of it. And if you enjoy it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You can hear interviews just like this one every week. I'm going to go ahead and shut up now and we'll let you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am your co-host, Mike. We got Josh in the booth today. What's going on, Josh? Not much, man. Just uh, something happened today earlier, and now I forget what it was, and I was going to bring it up during the show. What happened in Columbus? Something, Some type of news? Didn't, didn't something happen today? Typically, typically news does well, happen. Well, it was important news. It was something that, Unfortunately, was, that was relevant. Our resident news guy from Columbus, uh, we are missing a cable, so Tim is he's here. Hey, hey Tim. Uh, but he's not on the mic. But Tim, you know anything that happened today? I I did not have a great day. Tim didn't have a good day. <laughs> Maybe that's the news. Maybe that was that went viral. So yeah, if you can hear Tim, he's over there in the corner. But uh, we've we've uh, not. I, I didn't have a great day, which has culminated in me there not bringing the microphone, and so now I just have to sit here like a stooge while you guys record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so there's Tim. I'm not sure that went viral, but but uh, well, what, if you figure out the news, I'm sure that people would love to hear about it. But without any news forthcoming, we'll go ahead and proceed with the show. <laughs> Uh, today on the show, we've got Ross Klosterman joining us, and he is a co-founder of Unify Health, a brand new health plan for small businesses and their employees. And their vision is to create the last healthcare plan someone will ever need. And that's a pretty big goal. Uh, Ross and his co-founders are backed by some of their leading names in healthcare investors, and they're planning to launch their product in Q2 of 2021, which is, uh, well, if I last time I checked my watch, <laughs> that's right now. So we're excited mm -hmm. to talk with Ross about what it takes to bring a product like Unify Health to market, their, go their goals for the launch, where they're at now and where they aim to head in the future. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Ross. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good to be here. Yeah, so it is Q2. It is Q2. Uh, and <laughs> so has the launch been going? So we have not launched yet. So Unify's employees, which we are actually a, the nature of starting a company during COVID, we are a fully distributed team. I'm actually the only one in Columbus. Hope to change that uh, going forward, but we will be launching on our own health plan July 1 and nature of startups and trying to build a complete full stack health plan in six months. Uh, we basically are waiting for our final kind of underwriter sign off. And, and so with the sales cycle, we'll likely launch definitely in Cincinnati. That's our, our launch market, uh, late summer, early fall. So push back just a little bit. So going back to square one, you, you're here in Columbus. Did you start here in Columbus as a, uh, as being birthed? Yes. Oh, well, not Columbus as being birthed. Uh, I was birthed in, uh, 
Cold, oh. <laughs> Coldwater, Ohio. Um, I'm, I'm from Salina. It's between Lyman and Dayton. Very much agricultural farm town. Great birthing city. For oh, me. yes. Can yes. we stop saying birthing? It's making me a little <laughs> uncomfortable. Moved to Columbus to good Ohio State for, for undergrad. Uh, that's where I met my now wife, uh, Marie, who's a Grove City native. So she was born in Columbus. And uh, we moved uh, just about a decade ago to the Northeast, moved to Boston to really kind of start, start careers, uh, get off the ground. I had interned at PwC here in, in Columbus and wanted to you know, experience a new city and had the choice, Boston, New York, or Chicago, and said, hey, want to see what's outside of the Midwest. And New York's not really, you know, for me personally, I think. I don't, I'm 6'5", no one can really see me, but I don't really fit well, I think, in, in New York apartments. So Boston it was, and had a wonderful time there. Moved from there to New Hampshire until June of last year. And then wife and I finally, our one to two year adventure kind of came back to Columbus July of last year. So very happy to be back. Josh and I also frequently struggle with apartments being too small for us. Or, <laughs> so, you know. Constantly bumping our heads on ceilings around here. I can imagine. I yeah. can see that. Yeah. But so <laughs> something I'm curious about is, so what, what did you study at Ohio State? So started out as a chemical engineer for all of one year and then did the uh, stereotypical, well, didn't cut it in physics, so I'm going to switch to business and did the accounting and finance route, which is what led me initially to, to PwC. Okay. And then, so you go to Boston and what were you doing in Boston while you were there? So I started out at PwC in the audit practice doing mutual fund, hedge fund uh, audits, thinking that I wanted to, to leverage that to get in the buy side and realized quickly how naive that was and uh, had an opportunity that came up at a small, a lower middle market investment bank called Provident Healthcare Partners, where uh, doing M&A advisory for physician practices. So we'd represent physician practices who did not want to sell to the local hospital health system. So doing private equity recaps, or sales to larger strategics like Optum, part of QHG. Then transitioned from that to the corporate development team at Athena Health, which is a healthcare technology company there. That's actually where the idea for, for Unify was born out of. So talk a little bit more about Athena and, and what you were doing when you are in that role, like corporate development, a little bit vague maybe, and could mean something different in every side of organization. Like what, what was uh, relevant to you? So our corp dev team, typically, you know, that's that's an M&A function at, at most companies. Uh, we did that, but it was also corporate venture. It was a lot of product partnerships and corporate strategy. Uh, so we wore many hats depending on the day. Uh, but corporate strategy was essentially net new business creation. So Athena, real quick for listeners' background, is essentially the software that your physician uses to type in clinical notes and to get paid when you go to see the doctor. And we were exploring the use of the 100 plus thousand physicians that use the uh, Athena's cloud-based software to actually start an employer benefits, like a, a health plan, a TPA, third-party administrator. Got pretty far down that process. Wonderful activist investor, uh, Elliott Management, got involved with the company. Our CEO, Jonathan Bush, was resigned from the company. Jeff Immelt, of all folks, Ohio native, uh, took over. And so any M&A conversations were then paused. We were about at that stage. And ultimately, you know, anything non-core of the business was shut down. That coincided with my leaving for business school and, and really starting Unify. So where do you choose to go to business school at? Uh, Dartmouth. So I did my MBA and MPH at Tuck and, and the Dartmouth Institute. And once you wrap up, uh, what is your vision at that point? Are you are you envisioning going off and doing your own thing? I entered knowing that I wanted to work on this idea. Uh, it was a very you know nugget of an idea. We had focused on large large employer 
benefits at Athena. And the realization, like in a nutshell, was that there's lots of really awesome innovation that's happening for large self-insured employers not being brought down to the SMB level. And so that was the impetus of the idea. Started exploring it really early on in, in kind of B-School, which was late 2018. I have two co-founders, Brody and Olivia. Brody was a classmate of mine at Tuck. Uh, he joined you know, early 2019 and Olivia just shortly thereafter. Uh, her and I worked together at Athena and um, we've been working on this kind of on and off ever since. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So you talk about the innovation being centered around the larger corporations. What exactly did you identify that was uh, a gap in the value being provided or the innovation that you could provide for these smaller companies? Yeah, so over, especially over the last five, five to 10 years, uh, you've, you've seen this explosion of new digital healthcare delivery companies. So the Lavangos and Omadas of the world were kind of the first. Uh, Lavangos at Seven Wire, you know, started investment out of Chicago. And then you ha- you've had this proliferation across musculoskeletal. So Hinge Health is, is probably the biggest there. Women's Health, Behavioral Health, et cetera, et cetera. And all of these companies, because it's hard to get a foothold with the legacy health insurers, they start with these large self-insured employers. And then you have new primary care models, new ways of, of reimbursing hospitals, just lots of different things that even today are up to healthcare brokers, most often healthcare brokers or benefits advisors to pull these point solutions together and then sell them as a package, a customized package to a 500 person, 1000 person, 50,000 person company. And we saw in the kind of market research that we did at Athena, hey, if this is done right, you can lower healthcare costs for these companies by 10, 15 plus percent. We've saw at the tail end, very, very tail, 50% from companies coming from a United or Cigna or Blue Cross Blue Shield or Aetna. And so the, the idea was, hey, if, if this is working, let's take kind of best in breed. Let's package it up, standardize it, and, and then scale it. And so we can scale it to small businesses, which we typically classify as less than 150, 200 employees. Uh, but more so companies that don't have a benefits expert on staff like those large companies typically do. So someone who's a little bit slow when it comes to healthcare and just seems like a behemoth of uh, so many different uh, nuances going on and, and very, from the outside, like very hard to wrap your head around sometimes. It sounds like you identified if you could help these small businesses repackage the way that they were doing their their healthcare, that that's where the value in the 10 to 15% reduction would be uh, recognized, or am I totally missing the mark? No, that's that's right at a high level. I mean, once we dug in and like really did the work and have now you know productized this, it's really rethinking of how a health plan is built from the ground up, how a network is built from the ground up. And so, just a couple probably more tangible ways of of describing this is is what the member experience is actually like on a on, on the unified plan. There's two things that I'll, I'll call out. The first is our plans are standardized across employers. Uh, so no matter what, you will have the same three options. And those three options, the only difference between them is the choice of primary care. We put advanced primary care models at the core of all of our plans. What that means is we actually invest more in primary care. We pay certain PCPs up to double what a, again, what a Blue Cross Blue Shield might pay them. And what that happens or what that then enables is for these PCPs to see less patients actually, 
they can spend more time with each one and act and actually be a care manager. Uh, and so for the member, you get same day, next day access. You don't have to wait two weeks or a month to see your doctor. Um, you get access by phone and text and, and email and things that are probably more taken advantage of today. But prior to COVID, doctors could not get paid unless you physically came into the office. And so when you get outside of that traditional reimbursement structure, you can enable that. So really good primary care access for the plan that allows um, you know, savings downstream that you have to wait to see things like less emergency department utilization because you can see someone same day, next day, et cetera. Um, but then the other kind of big component of this is the member experience. So we are no deductible, no coinsurance plan, and, and we just have a variable copay um, structure. So all you have to do is reach out to us and we will tell you what your out-of-pocket is going to be before you have something done. That would literally blow my mind <laughs> for anything that I've ever, it's always like, well, what is it going to be? They're like, well, we're going to sleep on it. It could be, maybe. <laughs> it could be anywhere between a, a dollar to $1 million. Right. <laughs> that's, and that's, that's very true. I mean, there is, when you go to an in-net, people don't realize this, when you go to an in-net, well, they realize it more with high deductible health plans, but you go to an in-network facility to get an MRI. There's often within a single geography, like within Columbus, I can say with 99% certainty that there is a 10x variation in price for MRIs. Probably at the low end, you're at 400, 500 bucks all in for an MRI. And at the upper end, negotiated rates with insurance carriers are probably four to $5,000. Again, those are gonna be the extremes. And that exists everywhere. I mean, I've seen, I've seen bunion surgeries uh, in, in Arizona at one hospital that negotiated were $5,000 and literally 30 minutes away at another hospital were $90,000. Again, those are the negotiated prices. And so in a way, we're taking advantage of that and introducing some price discovery to members in a way that is easy enough for them to understand. Well, it's also interesting because when you don't have a deductible, no deductible, no coinsurance, right? So I'm on a high deductible plan and I had a procedure done earlier this year. So now I'm like, all right, pack them all in. Let's go pile them up. I've hit my deductible. Here's, here's where they really um, get you though. All of a sudden you start doing that and then you realize that some were on the in network, network and then network. some are out of network. Yeah, you got to make sure you're using your in network. Yeah, too. now you got to like, you basically got to rebuild two your entire, yeah. Your, yeah, you got to rebuild half your torso in order to hit both of those at the same time. Yeah, well, that's what, and thankfully legislation was recently passed to uh, say curtail this. It's not going to eliminate it, but surprise billing where you could do the, the best that you can to, I went to an in network hospital, but what people don't realize is that for a lot of reasons over time, uh, these hospitals, they, they literally own their property, but the emergency department, they contract with an external uh, external set of ED physicians that take care of that and bill separately. Radiologists, uh, hospitalists, even the, the folks who are like at your bedside. And so anesthesiologists is a big one. So you can go in for a surgery, have an in-network surgeon give you whatever surgery service, but that anesthesiologist is out of network. You've never met that anesthesiologist. You will probably never meet them, but you all of a sudden get a bill in the mail for 10 grand for anesthesiology that you have never, you have no, you know, why did I get this? And it's immediately a frustrating experience because what happens? Well, you call the insurance company. Well, call your doctor. You know, they, they're the ones who built you. You call your doctor. Well, your insurance company should, should cover this. Call them. You have this back and forth and it's a, sorry, it's a shitty experience all around. And I think, you know, I've, I've had it. I haven't talked to someone yet who like at no point in their life have ever had to deal with a situation like that. We take that off the hands from our members. So that's, again, going back to when you look at the market and you think about the way 
companies are like nobody likes their health insurance <laughs> provider i don't think right and it seems like it's ripe for innovation and a change we're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors the burlett family foundation the burlett family foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in columbus all right let's get back to the episode what I'm curious about is because it sounds like it took a lot of work to get to this point, and I'm guessing funding was part of that. So when you went to go about taking this idea from, you know, just an idea to where you're at today, where you're getting ready to launch, how did you go about raising that initial funding? And were people pretty receptive or did they, you know, did, were people kind of like, I don't know, this don't really see it? So the thing that we learned quickly is that, uh, and as perhaps is evident to you both, is that explaining this idea to folks with like little healthcare background other than just having health insurance, it's still tough for me, frankly, and, and trying to get better at it. Um, so we, we quickly learned that the investors that we went out to, and, and we, started, we started our fundraising process in probably June of last year, and the folks who, who understand, really understand health plans, health insurance, or just healthcare in general, they kind of got it and got the promise of it. But it's it's hard because you can't really build an MVP health mm -hmm. plan. You, it needs to function as a health plan. And so we were able to raise a $1.4 million pre-seed um, from four institutional investors and a number of, of, of wonderful angels. And that was basically to, to get us to launch, to, to get our product built, to get us to launch. And we're well on our way there. Um, we're just about there. And so, We'll be looking to raise, we will need to raise a seed round here very soon and we'll scale the team from there. But because of that, we've had to partner with a lot of companies on the back end to make this happen. And so over time, we'll, you know, we'll start bringing that stuff in house. So maybe like talk to me like I'm a child for a second. If <laughs> I, so I know that I, I work at a company and I get health insurance uh -huh. and, but you guys aren't the insurer, you're just the health plan. So I gotta, you got to get this question a lot. And maybe I almost feel like here's part of it too. I'll sidetrack. I almost feel like maybe people are embarrassed to talk about this to some extent because it's like I paid for this my whole life and I'm educated. I should mm -hmm. understand what's going on here. Absolutely. And then somebody asks you a question. You're kind of like, I have no idea what is actually where my money goes or, or why. So could you break down the layers to me a little bit? Yeah. And that's um, that's a, a very common feeling. I mean, when you, when you really think of it, uh, typically next to salary as a single line item, healthcare expenses are the second largest single line item. And company owners who are spending these dollars, they often don't understand the choices that they make. A lot of them just default to whatever their broker says. And so there is, uh, healthcare is complex. And so we have to, we as an industry need to figure out how to explain things in more plain language or uh, language that's easily, you, know, you can easily grasp. Um, so to answer your question directly, I refer to ourselves as a health plan and not a health insurance carrier because health insurance carrier has a very specific definition. It's a state-regulated entity. It takes on the full stack of risk, meaning first-dollar risk. So whether you spend $5 at the pharmacy for a prescription to $500,000 for a cancer treatment, that United Healthcare is at risk for that thing. Most companies actually don't have insurance like that. Most companies are what we are, it's called self-insured or self-funded. So nationwide, just because they're right outside the window right now, I can say with 100% with certainty that they are self-insured, meaning they are effectively the insurance company. Now you go work at Nationwide, I'm sure there's a United, Cigna, Blue Cross, Anthem, whatever it is, insurance card, 
What Nationwide does is pay that company 30 bucks a month or 40 bucks a month per employee to get access to their network, to be at the call center, to do everything that a health insurance company would do other than hold risk. And we are uh, a corollary to that, more of that model. Those types of companies are not regulated by states, you're regulated by the Department of Labor, and you fall under ERISA, the ERISA law. Same thing that other, like your 401k, the law that, that governs all of that. Sorry, I know this is clearly getting probably too, too no, deep I think here. No, no, phenomenal. this is exactly yeah, what we're looking perfect. for. Um, the way that we've built this is that we're similar to that model in, in the sense that our initial business model is to take kind of that administrative fee. Uh, we are, this will be the only time I say this, we are a TPA. We build and customize the full health plan. Now, small businesses can't, they, you know, they're not the size of nationwide. So if, if a 20-person company, if someone gets cancer, you know, that business could be out of business because that could be a million dollars, millions of dollars worth of, of expenses. If they're self-insured. Right. If they're self-insured. Um, so most small businesses don't self-insure. But the solution that, that can work for small businesses is a different type of insurance that is not health insurance. It's called stop loss, medical stop loss. And it's more akin to other types of business insurance like property and casualty, et cetera, where the business itself is self-insured and pays out claims on behalf of their employees. And if that employee has an expense above a certain threshold, that employer is still responsible for paying that out. But now they have essentially company insurance that reimburses them above you know, $20,000 for an individual or, or there could be an aggregate or there's combinations of that. And so what that actually enables in our mind is, is insurance that should be, that operates more, health insurance that operates more like insurance. So effectively the small business or any company takes risk for the first dollars, like the primary care visits, the low dollar stuff. Uh, but there is still catastrophic coverage when that happens. Um, we compare this to car insurance. You don't use car insurance to pay for an oil change, to pay for a tire rotation. But for whatever reason, in health insurance, we do do the equivalent of that. We use insurance to pay for every little small dollar thing. And that has caused incredible distortions in the market. That's why companies like GoodRx exist. And GoodRx, you can go and your insurance will say, hey, this is a $300 copay for this drug at the pharmacy. And GoodRx will say, if you pay cash, it's 20 bucks. I would challenge listeners, uh, to if, if you have a medical procedure, try to call ahead, say, hey, this is my insurance. You know, you might have to work. Sometimes you can get a price out of someone and then wait a day, call back and say, hey, what's the cash pay price for that same thing? Oftentimes that cash pay price will be less than what insurance has, has negotiated with that physician. And so in some ways we take advantage of that. And there are other companies that you know, just rely on a, a person going in and say, I'm gonna pay cash, swipe a card, drive actually invested in a company, a drive two floors above us, invest in a company that that relies heavily on that model. Um, and, and it's effective. I, I don't think that that model can work everywhere. But once people dig in and realize it's why I do what I do, a large part of it is just there's so many things that make me angry about how our system works uh, that that we're trying to fix as, as much of it as, as we can you know, and scale, scale that as quick as we can. Could you almost describe the model as like an MSO? on top of the actual insurance, like a management service organization on top of the insurance carrier? So in, in my world, I, I wouldn't. MSOs to me are very specific to how they basically round up, get physician practices to work together and they are the administrative back end to that. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a corollary there, but 
Yeah, no, you can tell me I missed the mark. It's right. okay. Yeah. We, we just, then <laughs> we, we just cut this part out of the episode. Anything that I say, it's not smart. We yeah. just remove. So. Andy's our editor. Can Sometimes I get removed about. completely from episodes. <laughs> All right. Um, I would say that happens more often than not, but you know. Hey, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Revolution Group. And Revolution Group is, uh, you know, a big friend of the show. They have sponsored us. They've been on the episode in the past. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. We talk with Rick and Polly from their team. But today I want to talk a little bit about their Salesforce services. And they help companies implement and customize Salesforce, the world's number one CRM solution. And if you're a Salesforce user, then you know that thing can be a little cumbersome to set up properly to optimize your business. So, Revolution Group can help you transform your sales operations and your customer experience with the power of Salesforce and really get the most out of that instance by integrating with all of your systems, allowing you to have a single view of all your data in one place. So if you're struggling with that Salesforce setup or you just want to be a little more efficient, we recommend you go talk to them. And if you want to learn more about them, go to revolutiongroup.com. That is revolutiongroup.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So you guys understand the complexity behind all of these different things going on behind this. There's not a lot of transparency in this in this market. And you guys understand the complexity, which gives you transparency to that. And then Unify Health essentially helps package these things and use that information to provide the best possible plan for small businesses. Is that Yeah, I mean we are we are trying to in, you have mentioned uh, some of the company you know, there's I would say the Oscars and the Bright Health of the world and Collective Health, uh, which focuses is a similar business model. You know, they well, Collective focuses on on huge companies, but these companies have have created new health plans or new health insurance carriers to to really improve on the member experience, and that's very important because member experience is pretty shitty today um, across the board. But what they miss the mark on, in, in our view, is is enough of a focus on price. People get stuck on, hey, this is the way healthcare works. This is how you have to pay for things. This is the way things are done. And for example, we are building our own network. Typically what that means is you go out and you create contracts with every physician on the street and and that's how you negotiate price. As long as we can come to a verbal agreement on, hey, price and and I have data on on quality or you report quality and, and you promise not to balance bill our members, we don't need to put a contract in place. We will uh, support cash pay payments outside of the healthcare payment infrastructure. There is a lot of underlying complexity that we're trying to abstract away for, for the member. The example I've been using recently is that, you know, let's talk about price. There is a movement or there has been a movement and there's regulation of, of price transparency right now in, in healthcare. And if you look at the price of Castlight stock, it's been better over the past couple months because of, I think, this regulation. But since it IPO'd, it's, it's lost most of its value. I think that's a, a realization that people don't actually care what the underlying price of an MRI or anything is. They care what they're going to pay out of pocket. And so having to do the math around, well, you know, this is where I'm at with my deductible this year, and then here's how coinsurance works, and, and then I have a max out of pocket on top of that, uh, that's too hard and, and too much work for anyone, including me. And so uh, we abstract all of that away and say, hey, we'll just make copays only and we'll just tell you what your out-of-pocket is gonna be because we know the underlying price. That's actually a very tough problem as well, but like, we'll, we'll figure that out on the back end. You don't need to be exposed to that. That makes a lot of sense. But so uh, another thing I'm, you know, kind of pivoting here, yeah. changing up. It pace. kind of makes sense. I'll be <laughs> I, honest about it in the room. I, it makes a little bit of sense. I mean, I'm sure you got it really well. I think I got it. I'm going to need a couple more it. runs through it. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. We can circle around after the, uh, 
after the show's over, we'll redo it all for, for Josh here. But uh, the the thing that I was curious about, why Cincinnati? What what about the Cincinnati market makes it a good place to launch a uh, an insurance organization? Yeah, we were initially going to launch or, or attempt to launch in Chicago. And so I'll, I'll kind of compare the two. Most health insurance, doesn't matter if it's United or the no-name startup health plan, is sold through brokers and benefits advisors. And that's even more so the case, the smaller the company. They place, you know, it's the, the person they golf with on the weekends or whatever. They, they really rely on these people. Uh, so we have a broker-first distribution strategy. It's not broker-only, but broker-first distribution strategy. And these brokers understand a lot of the stuff that I'm, I'm trying to explain today. They get new payment models, the new primary care models, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they look for things like that. Brokers in Chicago just kind of weren't as familiar. And so that makes, we have to kind of sell through that. And so that makes that, that sell easier. easier. Uh, Cincinnati also has good competition for health systems. So there's three big ones on, on the Ohio side of the river and then one on the Kentucky side of the river. Um, Mercy, uh, Christ, and TriHealth in Ohio, and then St. Elizabeth in, in Kentucky. And, and Chicago is actually, I didn't, it's a Midwest city. It's been a while since I had been there, but very, very difficult. If you look at TomTom Tom data, it's as, as bad as Boston to try to navigate around Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Cincinnati, not so much the case. It's easy to get around which makes those health systems actually compete with one another. And so that that creates a good environment to start up with a low volume. You know, we can't say, hey, we have 10,000 members out of the gate and use that as a as a leverage point to, to work with one of those systems. That's super interesting. So I never really thought about that, but travel and ease of access to different parts of your community in the city impacts health networks because if I'm patient, right, and this health network is really expensive. Well, if it's easy for me to get around, I can easily go over to this other one. But if if I'm in a place like Chicago where it's hard to get around, then especially if I don't have a car, I'm stuck kind of using the network near me. That's, exactly. It's wild. I never would have thought of that. And something we would love to, loved it. There's lots of studies that show most people get care within their zip code. Mm-hmm. And so systems and, and like healthcare infrastructure has, has kind of made that assumption that, that that will always hold true. And we're gonna see what we can do to, to break that down. We haven't made any, we'll say any material progress toward this, but it would, it would be great, for example, uh, for high dollar surgeries. If the closest thing to you is a hospital and that's where you would normally go, uh, but down the street is something called an ambulatory surgical center, which is an outpatient specialized much lower overhead and therefore surgeries typically half the price of what a hospital will give you, often better quality as well. If that's 30 minutes away, why don't we partner with an Uber Health or a, a similar company? We'll pay for it. Keep doing work or whatever you want to do. We'll transport you. You can have that done and, and then we'll transport you back home. That can be a leverage point to say, hey, we want to drive down lower price. That's a way to do it, to make it hopefully not not very inconvenient. You don't have to drive. You don't have to park. You don't have to figure all that out. And it's all it's all free. So it's it's very low mental overhead to, to do any of that. That's one idea we're exploring. Hey everybody, we're gonna take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter. Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are. 
but also address some of the weaknesses and say, okay, this is how we could get better. So for us, we're, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board. Absolutely. And if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. So as you continue to launch the product and, you know, as we get into actually getting out into the community in Cincinnati, right? What are you hoping happens when, and if it goes well, right? Let's say the launch goes well, everybody's on board. What do what the future growth plans look like? Yep. So uh, as I mentioned, we're going to launch late summer, early fall in the Cincinnati metro area. That does include Northern Kentucky. That'll just be with a few employers, kind of pilot customers to, to make sure we get our feet off the ground. And um, so one, one of, of next year, that's that plan year. That'll be kind of our first, like probably bigger cohort of, of employers and employees. Pretty much all through next year, we'll be kind of getting product market fit in, in Cincinnati, making sure that this works, people love it. You know, aiming for 70 plus percent or 70 plus NPS, where I think the industry average for health insurance is like zero to 14 or negative 14, I don't remember. And, and once we hit product market fit, then it's going to be geographic expansion. I mean, we we are venture backed. We mm-hmm. have ambitious growth plans. So one one of, of 23, we should be in at least two additional markets and then expanding aggressively from there. And what's surprised you about the entrepreneurial experience so far? <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody, you hear a lot like uh, there's tons of shows similar to ours out there that talk, you know, people come on and, oh, yeah, being an entrepreneur is really tough. But what's surprised you about it? It's I've had the benefit. You know, I. This is my first, you know, entrepreneurial journey my, myself. Same with with my co-founders. I think we've all had the benefit. I've had the benefit of being like on the investing side of the table, seeing startups, seeing that pattern recognition, being at high growth companies, and so that's been that's been helpful. But still, did not prepare me. It's it's been helpful in navigating investor conversations and things like that. But from the the workload standpoint and trying to do as much as we're doing with as little people as we're doing, that frankly just results in long hours. Mm-hmm. And so. COVID in, in a way has been a blessing of being able to be home, had a, my first baby uh, in, Congratulations. Early, thank you, in early January. And so being able to see her throughout the day is, is, has been great. But, you know, the, the, I've worked in banking, worked in corp dev. I've, I've worked these hours. It's not sustainable, but that's kind of been um, very much you know, the, the thing. So we're looking to, exp- I'm very much looking forward to expand the team and being able to offload some of that stuff. Hey, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Hybeck. It's actually just me and Tim in the booth because, well, Josh is on his way over to the restaurant right now. So unluckily for us, we don't get any special treatment. I don't think he's bringing us back a pizza or anything. I don't think so. I'm a little jealous. We love Hypec. I mean, I go there all the time. Their hot honey pizza they got going right now. Yep. That's what I was going to say. As soon as we had him on the episode, I called in before they even left and ordered it and picked it up on the way out. And it was the best. We're talking about the restaurant, but Hybank's a lot more than just a restaurant. They distill whiskey and gin and vodka. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, they brought in a couple of different options for us to try recently. And I really like this Midnight Cask. It's a mixture, I think, of whiskey along with a port wine. And it kind of tastes like a Manhattan, but it's like double the strength. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, listen to the episode. I mean, the story behind the organization is great too. So yeah, it's a bunch of local entrepreneurs that just have a passion for making good food and great drinks. They just launched a thing called the Whiskey Society too, which mm-hmm. I joined. And if you really like booze, it's worth checking out. It pays for itself just in the entry fee. And then you'll get cards for drinks every month. They put on events right now. They're on Zoom, but teach you how to make drinks, tell you what to use, why you use those things. It's definitely for the whiskey enthusiast. I've enjoyed my membership so far. That's for sure. So if you guys like High Bank, if you're looking for a restaurant, somewhere to watch the game. If you're looking to put in an order for a pickup, check out High Bank, man. Their food's great. They're great people. Yeah. And we love their drinks. And get the hot honey pizza. Get the hot honey pizza. I promise you will love it. All right. Now back to the show. 
about any other personal goals for the future? I mean, you mentioned just having a baby. Anything else that that uh, you personally are focused on? Travel and getting out of my basement. I mean, that's that's been the big one. Good buddy of mine from business school. He's from Scotland. Set up a Scotland trip uh, last year. That obviously got canceled. So we're going to do that. Uh, I think eleven days in Scotland here in late August. And. My wife and I love to travel before and uh, looking forward to get back into that. And frankly, for me, re kind of rediscover Columbus. Uh, it's been, been nice moving back here and still have friends here. But given COVID, getting kind of reintegrated into the, the ecosystem here just took a little bit longer. So really, really excited to, to kind of get out and about, spend more time here on, on High Street and get back to campus here in the fall. Well, Russ, it's been great talking to you, and I'm excited to kind of follow along and see where Unify Health goes from here. But I think that takes us to our last question of the show, and it is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase for a show about uh, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and uh, all that, what do you think of when you hear it, and how does it apply to your life and career? As my wife will probably um, be the, the first one to tell you, I, I'm, I'm always looking for the next thing in, in some form or fashion. And, and I think living, when I hear living uncomfortably, it's, it's pushing your boundaries in some form or fashion. My dad had the saying still sticks with me is always be putting a, another feather in your cap. And it doesn't matter if it's business or personal or something, you know, try something new, try to, to better yourself or better the community around you in some way. So that's, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that philosophy. Well, Ross, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for joining the show and, and talking about Unify Health. Thanks for having me. And Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you all enjoyed that episode. If you did, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on. You can get episodes just like it every week with interviews with folks from around Columbus. And uh, again, appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Next week.